Hello and welcome to the One Team in Ayrshire podcast. My name is Russell Abercrombie. What you're about to hear is the audio from our second ever live YouTube show, where the guys looked back on Kelly's win over Motherwell, previewed the Rangers game, reviewed the first half of 2017 and lost. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, that's youtube.com forward slash one team in Ayrshire. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for all the latest updates. Enjoy the show. Gordon. Johnson. Oh, this will be interesting. Kilmarnock have scored. Six and a half minutes to go. And Kilmarnock, through that turnout, have taken the lead at Hamden and have stunned Celtic and may well, may well have ended their treble hopes. Um, well, the Motherwell game for me, I thought was a, like I say, a massive result in terms of not just the result itself, but the performance. I don't think we were great, but to be able to still pick up three points despite no being at our best, whereas how many times have we seen Kilmarnock play well? Like example, the Hibs game, thought we were outstanding, never getting in for the game. We weren't great against Motherwell, but were, uh, you know, defensively, no perfect, we still kept a clean sheet, but we were able to see out the game and I thought it was a massive result. And I said on Twitter, I thought it was the biggest result of Steve Clark's reign so far because it was not the best performance, but we we're still able to get three points. So I thought it was a massive result. What about you, Russell? Were you much the same? Yeah, fantastic result. Um, I thought it was really interesting because the game was quite, the game wasn't the, the best in terms of the, the quality of the game. It was more like an up and under long ball game. Um, which is what Mother will basically base themselves on. That's the way they normally play. Um, it was really interesting, though, the, the corners. The, I had a look at, obviously, the goal, um, Scott Boyd. Um, really interesting for me that Cut Broadfoot at the corners tended to go away right through to the back post to drag uh, Keepre out a position. So um, that's kind of where the goal came from. I know people, a lot of people look at Russell Griffiths <coughs> making the error, but I thought Broadfoot did really, really well for being... Obviously, it was Steve Clark that told him to do it, but to go to the back post and drag Kipri out of the, the actual six-yard box, which actually caused you know Russell Griffiths to palm it down and Mother will be a defender down at that stage, um, giving Scott Boyd the chance to, to put it in. So 
thought it was really interesting that um, we're kind of working on a set place still, um, as we did under Lee McCulloch, but it's kind of bearing fruits a little bit. Absolutely. So we spoke about the goal there, Adam. What was your take on the goal? Yeah, I mean, we've played some fantastic football uh, to get goals since Lee Clark came in, but it was really, you know, nice to see that we can still get, you know, these scrappy goals. Uh, you know, it wasn't the best game, as we said. Uh, it was always going to be decided by a goal like that. So it was really pleasing to get a goal that maybe wasn't the prettiest, but, you know, it meant quite a lot in terms of the game as a whole. And, uh, yeah, it definitely was really important in terms of Steve Clark's uh, career so far as Kelly manager. So the sort of theme of this show is going to be a review of 2017. So first thing we should talk about is perhaps the player of the year of 2017. Um, we'll start with you, Russell. Who's been your player of 2017? Um, those are the some players who've played really, really well. Um, you look at Christopher Ayer, uh, who obviously had a fantastic six months on loan. John Jones, who's really upped his game, uh, especially since, well, since Lee McCulloch took charge. Uh, but for me, it's Jamie McDonald. Um, I think he's been excellent ever since. He's been excellent actually for for a long time at Kilmarnock, but he's really cut out the errors in recent in recent months, especially this season. I don't think I can remember one one mistake he's really made this season, especially not one that's cost us a goal. I think his shot stopping's always been good, but this season it's got it's got even better, and um, yeah, his distribution's actually got a lot better as well. So I think Jamie McDonald's been. Consistently, our best player. So for me, he deserves he deserves to be the player of the year so far. And what about you, Adam? Who's your player of twenty seventeen? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Russell. It would, be, it would be easy to give it to Jamie McDonald, but just for someone a bit different, I'm going to go for Greg Taylor. Uh, I mean, you know, he had that f- a fantastic run in the side throughout most of the year. You know, he was one of the bit most consistent players on the team. You know, putting in good performances week in week out. Uh, then he had the slight spell where he wasn't in the team where Stuart Finlay obviously came in. But since he's, you know, he came back in last week uh, and he looked, you know, just as good as always. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that because it'd be easy, you know, to come back after, you know, a couple of months out have, and have a bad game. But he did re- do really, really well. And so for me, he would be my player of the year. Lovely. And Callum, to fight, finish off the player of 2017. Um, probably just to reiterate what Russell said, I probably Jim McDonald's been the most consistent, without a doubt. I still do think there's room for improvement, particularly with his distribution. I know Russell picked up that his distribution has improved, but I still think it could be better. But on the whole, outstanding shortstopper, great goalkeeper, and we're lucky to have him at Rugby Park. Lovely, right? So we're gonna before we delve into the the nitty gritty, I want to get a preview of the Rangers game. It's obviously it's a, a big game. We spoke about the big games Clark's already had, but arguably this is one of the biggest games he's had, you know, at home to Rangers. A winnable game, many would feel. Um, we'll start with you, Adam, this time. What's your thoughts on the Rangers game on Saturday? Yeah, no, as you said, this is, you know, a winnable game and it'll be interesting to see how, you know, that how that affects the players, their mentality, because, you know, in the past few seasons, we haven't really gone into very many games where, you know, we've said, you know, this should be a game that we're, you know, winning. We're always a bit fearful for most games, but uh, be interesting to see, you know, how they cope with the pressure. Uh, obviously, on TV, maybe most of Scottish football fans are expecting us to get something from this game. Uh, I mean, it all depends on what Rangers turns up, doesn't it? I mean, it could be the team that got beat three-one off of St. Johnson, or that lost two-nil to 
Hamilton or, you know, it could be the other, you know, Rangers. So we'll need to see what team turns up and then uh, hopefully play our, the way we play. Don't really change anything from how, you know, we've been doing in the past couple of weeks and I think we should be good to get a result. Lovely. Callum, you have a similar view to Adam? Yeah, well, um, in regards to Adam's right with the kind of inconsistencies with Rangers, but for one thing, that they've actually been a lot better away from home than at Ibrox. I think they've dropped 16 points at Ibrox this season, which is ridiculous for, let's say, a club the size of Rangers. Um, but I'm confident, and as Adam says, a lot of the uh, the rest of Scottish football are almost expecting Kilmarnock to get a result. I think what will be interesting is whether Murray goes with the, the diamond that he's been playing of late, with kind of McCrory sitting in front of the back four, and then the two kind of wider centre mids, and then Windass in behind the striker. Um, I think our midfield will run over the top of that. That being said, whether Dicker, Malumbu and Power all play, I know Powers might be 50-50, but I think if it comes to the midfield battle, I think we'll win it. I think we're more physical, we're better on the ball. Um, all we need to do is just cut out the silly mistakes. Um, and I think if we do that, we'll beat Rangers and I think we'll beat them comfortably as well. Lovely. So, Russell, do you think Graham Murphy being in charge of Rangers, do you think that will be positive or negative for Kelly? What's your thoughts on that? <laughs> For me, it's undoubtedly a positive that Murty's obviously there um, and not a permanent full-time manager because I don't think Murty wants the job. I certainly don't think he wants it on a, a permanent basis. So um, it's ob- it's going to be really difficult for, for Kilmarnock because I think Rangers will be itching to set the record straight after their game against St Johnston. Uh, as Callum said, it's really good results, especially the Aberdeen games. Um, but they're really poor at St Johnston. My biggest issue, or my biggest worry is that they tend to, tend to, Rangers tend to be better away from home um, so they're not playing at Ibrox they're playing at Rugby Park so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they approach it um, like Callum says I think they'll stick with the diamond um, with two up front with Windash just off uh, probably Morelos so I, I get, again fancy Kilmarnock you know, their, defense, their midfield is quite lightweight McCrory is a decent player but he's he has a centre half um, naturally and he's playing out of position so it's going to be really interesting to see if we, we can exploit that with Gary Dicker and um, Malumbu and Power something I've actually been looking into is Malumbu's stats since he joined Kilmarnock um, if we look at it uh, in terms of averages so he's a kind of box to box midfielder uh, and I, I just compared him to basically he's a kind of similar player, player to John McGinn um, so I compared the stats to them um, on average Malumbu in terms of interception um, is actually better than John McGinn. He's intercepting an average of 5.7 times a game, whereas John McGinn's an average of 4.3. Uh, he's conceding less fouls as well, and his key passes are actually more successful. Um, so I think it's, let me see, 88% uh, Malumbu's passes successful to John McGinn's 87%. So not much in it, but if he keeps up those those kind of stats and those kind of figures... He's going to be really important, not just against Rangers, but going into the rest of the season. And I think he could have a really good game uh, against Rangers, against that midfielder, you say, McCrory, who's not a, a natural midfielder. It could be interesting to see Malumbu go up against him. Lovely, lovely. Right, so we'll delve in to earlier on in 2017. We're going to sort of group together the loan signings that we had. So that was Chrissy Ayer, Connor Salmon, Josh Yumara, Freddie Woodman, Cal Roberts and Sean Longstaff. Uh, I'll start with you, Callum. What was your take on these players, especially when they were at, at Kilmarnock? Um, at the time, to be honest, um, when we brought 
all of them, all of them in. I wasn't too sure going by Clark's previous business uh, in the summer transfer window, um, but I don't think I was alone in that. I think probably the majority of Kamalot supporters were there, and obviously for Woodman to come in and McDonald to drop out was obviously a big gripe that a lot of Kelly fans um, had. But however, I thought Freddie Woodman was outstanding. You seen that with the summer he had as well with the on our twenties World Cup. Um, Chris, Chris Farrier, absolutely fantastic. Um, what I'd give to have somebody like him back at Rugby Park again. Um, terrific player. Longstaff scored some important goals. Roberts never really made much of an impact for me. Um, like, considering he came with probably the most pedigree, I think, at the time. I think uh, he scored X amount of goals, a good goal-scoring record in the reserves of the 23s for Newcastle. And uh, Salmon got a bit of stick in certainly no everybody's cup of tea, but I actually thought he scored a, a couple of important goals as well. Um, I certainly wasn't that keen about keeping him, but I thought he'd get more a raw deal than what he deserved. Uh, cause I, as I say, I thought he scored a couple of big goals. But on the whole, the success stories were certainly Ayer and Freddie Woodman for me. Absolutely. Russell, what's your take on the signings from Clark? Yeah, hard to, hard to disagree with Cam there. I think that... Um, they were definitely the Woodman was excellent. I always said Jamie McDonald for for Player of the Year. Um, I think that um, his performances this season have kind of pushed him towards that because he's been so consistent. But Freddie Woodman, there's no doubt, and he was fantastic when he was here. Um, Cal Roberts again, he was the one that was he thought, oh, this is quite a coup, but he never really performed to to any level. Didn't think he really made any impact when he came on in any of the games. And um, yeah, Christopher Ayer was just fantastic. It's something with Celtic signing uh, the boy Marvin Compere. Um, I just think I'd be interested to see. I know people have been saying, oh, is he, is he going to partner Simunovic or is he going to partner, partner Boyata? But actually, wouldn't he be ruling it against him part, partnering Ayer? Um, I think Ayer fits into Celtic's game plan perfectly. He's the kind of defender Brendan Rodgers likes. And if you pair him up against somebody like Compere for the rest of the season, He's going to do nothing but learn from him. Uh, so I can't speak highly enough about Ayer um, as well. But yeah, Connor Salmon, it was nice to see him back at Kelly, but he doesn't contribute enough on a week-to-week basis. And you can see that at Partick Thistle where he's not getting the slack that you would get at a club like Kilmarnock. And, you know, it's affected him. I know he got that goal against Motherwell, but he's not exactly been setting the header light at Partick Thistle. So um, it's going to be really... It's going to be really fascinating to see what happens with Connor Salmon in the summer because I think he's got, has he got another year left at at Hearts, whether uh, I think he signed a three-year deal there, so it's going to be interesting to see if he leaves Hearts and you know where he ends up. Because I really can't see many Scottish Premiership clubs, you know, going crazy to try and sign him. Probably. So, um, Adam, I'm going to go into another one of um, Lee Clark's signings: Carly Osborne. Who? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh... I mean, he never really made much of an impact, did he? Might have played once or twice, but uh, a bit of a dud signing, to be honest. Something we got a bit used to uh, during his time here. And uh, thankfully, he didn't play too many games because I don't think he was all that good uh, when he did play. I don't think there's much more to say about Carl Leo's bone, so I'll leave you there. Yeah, it was, the, um, it was the Hamilton game, really. Was it the Hamilton game he made his debut in the cup? Yeah, give away the penalty. Yeah, was he taken off at half tight? No, it wasn't one. It was another game. Was, uh, that was the Ross County game, his next home game when we won 3 2. It was even before half time because he dived into a stupid tackle, was on a booking and was very early. Yeah. I saw that it was just it was a strange sight because on paper it was a, a relatively decent signing because he had quite a good pedigree at Millwall and we signed him from, it was at Plymouth. 
So he's like, and he played for Brentford as well. So he had a decent record, and it looked like he could possibly be a, a really decent signing. But for for some reason or the other, just didn't click. And you know, he's he's not really done anything. So I think he's at Grimsby now. Uh, when they're looking into that the video that was on their YouTube page. So you know, he's he's not really. I don't know. It was. I think he's probably still got potential. He probably still had potential. But I think maybe that just first that first game against Hamilton, that spell against Ross County just dented his confidence so much he was never really going to make it, Kelly. He's a uninterested to know he's made three appearances for Grimsby Town this season. Well, is that League Two in England? Indeed. Indeed. Wow. So, on to another more positive signing. Well, as of last weekend anyway, Scott Boyd. Seem to seems to work out as of the last couple of weeks, but he's not really had much of a chance in the team. What's, what's your thoughts on Scott Boyd going forward? We'll start with you, Callum. Um, see, Boyd's a weird one for me. Um, when we originally signed him on loan for Ross County, obviously the last summer window, I was I was very underwhelmed to say the least. <laughs> I thought, I mean, this isn't the kind of guy we need. But he was quick to to kind of turn line round. No nonsense centre half. Um, you know, reads the game relatively well and is what he is. He's he's a decent player at this level. Um I was happy for him to, to get the goal on Saturday. Um and it'll give uh, Clark certainly something to think about once Greer's back fit. Uh, I don't know, what, what's the chances of Greer coming back for Saturday? Is he going to be fit for Saturday? Does anybody know? No, I don't think they've mentioned anything. Um I think all they spoke about was that Alan Powers fifty fifty, so I'd assume I'd assume by that that Gordon Greer's maybe still going to be missing. Yeah, well, the, well, certainly by the time it comes to Greer ready to come back into the side, I think it will certainly give uh, Steve Clark something to, to think about because boys come in, done okay, and especially you get the goal on Saturday at one of the match. Lovely. Um, Adam, going to you. Um, obviously, with the rumours of Gordon Greer leaving in January, do you think Scott, Boyne, Scott Boyd's a player to fill that void? Uh, it's a tough one I mean he, he is a very solid defender there's no doubt about that but I don't know whether I'd want him as you know my first choice defender for you know 40 odd games each season I don't know whether he's got that in him anymore I uh, don't know whether he's maybe a bit past that he's a very solid backup defender he's good coming on from the bench you know whenever you need him but I wouldn't I wouldn't probably wouldn't want him as you know my fir- first choice starter every week Thank you. Just getting on a bit uh, for that now. Lovely, lovely. Right, so we'll talk. We'll do a wee sort of summary of the games in January. We spoke about the one 0 loss to Hamilton in the cup. That was a ninety-second minute penalty for Hamilton from Bingham, and also we beat Ross County three-two with a goal from Chris Boyd in ten seconds. So a mixed month. If you can cast your memory back that far, what was your thoughts in the month, Russell? Yeah, because obviously that was the first season that, since they introduced the kind of mini winter break in Scotland. So yep. um, only two games, the cup game, I remember, was really, really heartbreaking, uh, especially that late on, going out of the Scottish Cup, especially at a team like Hamilton, where you'd expect Kilmarnock to, to get a decent result. Um, I think, was it Carly Osborne that gave away the penalty in that game? Uh, we're just going to blame him for everything now, are we? <laughs> aye, Car- Carly's fault. But um, so yeah, that's. I think it was him to give away the penalty in that game as well. It was just, I would say, disappointing to go out of the cup. But the Ross County game was a little bit of a. I think that maybe it didn't move us into the top six, but it moved us within touching distance of the top six. 
Um, so it kind of gave you a little bit of hope because it's so tight. I'm sure everybody will remember it was so tight last season. Um, with the difference between the top six, it was the team who finished in the top, basically fin- finished sixth at the split, were ga- going to be guaranteed themselves out of safety, obviously. And the other team that finished below them, I think it was us just by a couple of points. You know, it was just all so tight. That was just going to be a safety, an absolute godsend, basically. It was just unlucky that we didn't make it in the end. But yeah, January was kind of was kind of poor um, going out of the Scottish Cup more than the, the Ross County game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Right. Um, I'll, I'll just skip the, the other two guys. Um, but I'll go into you, Callum, um, speaking about the Koulibaly, the sale of Koulibaly for almost a million to Egyptian side Al Akhli. I don't know how you say that exactly, <laughs> but what was your thought getting that much cash for old Sully, Callum? Um, well, there's absolutely no doubt, especially with the the accounts coming out the, the other week there. I mean, the profit and obviously a, certainly a large chunk of that was due to selling Koulibaly. Obviously, like everything, you're obviously disappointed to lose one of your better players, but end of the day, he came in and I would have never thought in a million years that a guy that was signed for nothing would go for that amount of money six months later. Um, I, let's say, I'd say he went with his best wishes. I mean, I don't think there was any ill feeling. Um and let's say that there's not much I can really add to it. I just thought it was good business for the club. It's a shame it hasn't worked out for him over there. But then again, he might be back at Rugby Park. But who knows? I don't know whether he's kind of Steve Clark's type of signing. I think if McCulloch was still here, um, we'd probably be more likely to see him back. But who cares? We'll be signing Stephen A. Smith anyway. But I know we'll go on to that later on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, right, Adam, we'll go to you about... We're going to go into February now. We'll crack on here. First two games of February were both one each draws against Hamilton and Dundee, which fought, which were just before Lee Clark leaving for Bury. So it was a mixed month again for Kilmarnock. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was a, on the footballing front, it wasn't a fantastic month. You know, two one all draws, a 2-1 loss to Aberdeen, and you know, finally get two points with a 2-0 win uh, against St. Johnson. So, I mean, how many points is that? Five points out of 12 it's not Goodness. terrible in the football in front, but you know, two games against Hamilton and Dundee, you might have maybe wanted to pick up more than a point in each of them. Uh, but obviously, the, the main talking point that month was obviously uh, Lee Clark leaving for Bury. Uh, it was a bit of a shock, to be honest. Uh, I think we were all we weren't really you know expecting that after you know his grand speech at the end of you know the season before, where he's talking about rebuilding the club, you know. Yep. getting the fans back on side, a club that the, the fans could be proud of and things like that. And then he leaves, you know, not, you know, seven months later. So it was a bit of a, you know, a, bit of a, a blow to the fans and uh, I don't think anybody really expected it. And the season was going so well at that point and we just feared that maybe, you know, it might, you know, go a bit, a bit downhill from there. Um, so obviously Russell, Kitten... When Clark left, Kelly were in the top six. Do you think that affected his decision at all to make it look as if, you know, he'd left them in a strong position and any downfall, therefore, was no longer his fault? Yeah, you could argue that, that he saw that the writing was in the wall a little bit. Um, he thought that maybe this team would struggle to go into the rest of the season, um, especially the consistency that might be needed to guarantee we stayed up. And I think maybe that opportunity, just good timing, that opportunity at Bury coming at along the same time as the... Um, sitting in the top six just maybe swung his decision I think it was obvious when he first came in that he he was coming up here to reinvent himself basically get himself back in the the media spotlight because we all know in Scottish football that 
it's so it's got, football is obviously massive in this country. So you've got all the phone-ins, you've got all the radio shows every single night of the week discussing Scottish football. So if you do even semi-okay at a club up here in the Premiership, you're going to get a lot of media coverage. And I think that was part of Lee Clark's plan. Um, and as soon as he got an opportunity at what is historically you know, quite a semi-decent club in Kilmarnock in terms of fan base anyway, being so close to, to Manchester and things like that, I think he saw an opportunity to go down there and really make a mark back on English football. Obviously, it's not worked out for him in that way, but yeah, it's probably a, a, maybe a coincidence and a happy coincidence both for us and for him um, that it happened at the same time and he was able to you know take that momentum uh, and go down south. But unfortunately for as I say, fortunately for him, it's not really worked out. Seven months, I think it was that he wasn't uh, in charge down there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anything you can add to that at all, Callum? Um, just to kind of echo the the themes of kind of shock when it happened because it just came right out of the blue it wasn't even like I mean there was rumours before that it, it was it was linked with clubs but nobody was like ah, he's not going to leave anyway and it just came well, I, I, I can't remember what journalist tweeted about it but I was like what and then let's like say oh I don't know it just it just <laughs> it just came right out of the blue and um and I, I still can't believe he left. But as Russell said, it's it was best for both parties, and and they end up now that we're we're here with a, a far far better manager. And I think Lee Clark was a bit of a con man. I did like him, but I mean it was all just talk. Talk was cheap in the end of the day. His results yep. never like, reflected uh, what he was saying in the press and that. So in the end of the day, I mean I'm not complaining about it now. I think that was um, something that was kind of noticeable when he moved down to Bury that he kind of did the same sort of transfer business where it was really, really extensive and, you know, changing numbers quite quite drastically. And it, obviously you don't know anything, but it's just a bit strange because I think there might something come out in the future about that because it seems seems dodgy that he's involved in so many transfers at two different clubs when such a short space of time. Uh, it's a bit, a bit strange, but... Maybe that's what his tactic is, though, that he buys a lot of players in the hope that, you know, one or two can go on to become, yep. you know, yeah. million-pound players, as you might say. But, uh, yeah, maybe he doesn't just have the, you know, the, the sort of transfer mm-hmm. experience or, you know, the skills to be able to just bring in a couple of players that he knows are going to, you know, work out for him. He just has to it's buy just... tons of players and just hope for the best. Because the chances are, if you sign 20 players, one of them is going to go for a decent yeah. amount, you know, but... Rather than what Adam said there about the whether he doesn't have the transfer now or, or to bring in you know quality players, for me it's probably more to do with his coaching ability. Like he's um, he doesn't feel confident enough necessarily in his coaching ability to bring in just one, two, three or four players and think I'll be able to coach these players into the the standard that I need. So he, like you said, it's, he has a scattergun approach to just bringing in as many folk as he can and hope that one one or two of them you know turn out to be a success because he's not able to do what Steve Clark has, has done so far and turn, on paper, kind of average to mediocre players into good quality premiership players. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Right, so at the risk of sort of repetition, I'm just going to sort of rattle through the results from March. It was a loss to Motherwell, a draw with Partick, and, a, and we beat Ross County, which left us in seventh place. So then we went into April, and then we had three successive draws against Hearts, Rangers and Inverness, and a loss to Celtic. Um, but we were unable to make the top six. Um, so then there was we beat Hamilton away, which ended the month in a high, uh, which saw us move to seventh. Um, and then obviously that led, well, started leading to McCulloch, 
the talks of him getting the job permanently. Um, so we won't go into that. Do you think that was the right move, uh, Callum? Obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and we'll probably all say now that it wasn't the right appointment. Um, but I, I, I don't know if we'll ever learn the lessons as Kelly fans because I wanted them to get the job at the time, right? And I really, really, really wanted McCulloch to do well. I think that he's a, a good guy, and I don't mean that in the same terms that Gary Locke always gets told. He's a good football man, but McCulloch genuinely is a good guy. I don't doubt he, he worked his best, he worked as hard as he could to try and turn us into a, a good side and his recruitment was obviously okay it got criticised but now Clark's been able to come in and make some of these players look okay um, but at the time I, w- I was really for McCulloch getting the job I would have always liked to have seen an experienced uh, coaching uh, an experienced coach come in with him be it assistant manager or, or somebody else in the background first team coach or whatever and I think that's something that uh, well, he might regret himself instead of maybe saying that player should have brought in an experienced coach to assist him. But no, certainly at the time, I, I was pro McCulloch getting the job. So my, my aim was to have no mention of Gary Locke when I was hosting Carl. <laughs> you ruined that. Um, no, but Adam, do you, think, do you think maybe some sort of coaching role was best for McCulloch or would be a good manager with maybe a director of football, a, a, a la Robbie Nielsen at Hearts? You know, do you think... Yeah, I, I think because... He has been, he was a player for so long that he does have that experience. He knows what players want, he knows what players like, he knows how they like to be coached. But yeah, I think he does need that experience head maybe above him just to give him that extra bit of, you know, you know, management skill. But he did have, you know, the, th- the, the thoughts of the fans, thoughts of the players at, at, at his heart. He did work very hard while he was here, but he just didn't quite have that, you know tactical awareness that you need you know to turn games around when you're losing that kind of thing and that's ultimately ultimately what let him down in the end Russell you have a similar view or do you get much to add yeah absolutely I think I agree with everything that's basically just been said there um, I spoke loads on, on Twitter and other places about the fact that I felt they needed an experienced head and I think that was the mis- biggest mistake that the board made was allowing Gary Locke to bring in his own coaching team and then allowing, you know, Lee McCulloch to keep uh, Peter Levin on as his assistant and there not being really any experience in there, um, an experience head for him to even just lean against if he was struggling or, you know, things weren't going right. And I think when you look back at, I, I don't know if you have all guys have all seen it, the interview he did with Cy Ferry on the Open Goal YouTube, um, where Lee McCulloch actually went into it quite, you know, into quite detail about how he struggled at Kilmarnock and how he, he thinks he tried to change too much and he tried to do too much, and he should have delegated it out to other people, but because it was his first job in management, he wanted to to prove himself, really, and he just tried overly hard in every single aspect. I think he said he was getting up at four o'clock every morning, you know, coming in, reviewing tapes, then doing training, then, you know, player liaison, then going to matches, and he was having basically, like, 20-hour days, Um, and I think that just took its toll in the end, and that alongside the fact he didn't have an experienced person alongside him, um, somebody like a Jim Jeffries even in the director of football role where he could have just, you know, put heads away or, you know, used it. I don't know. Um, but, um, yeah, so I think that was his biggest mistake and that alongside, you know, you look at Chris Boyd, um, Lee McCulloch openly admits, you know, they're really, really close friends. But Boyd was particularly poor um, when Lee McCulloch was here as manager. And then whether it's a case of they were maybe too close where he was too <coughs> close to them, because you look at Chris Boyd now, he's a completely different player. He's um, he's tracking back again, he's linking up play, he's scoring goals. He, he looks under 
Steve Clark that he's a you know completely back to the the Boyd of old almost, and um, it's really heartening to see that that I think probably Boyd as much as he he would have liked his his pal to still be the manager. I think even Boyd probably admits that it's best for him and the club now that we've got a, a guy like Steve Clark in. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll rattle on again, boys. We'll go into May. The big news in May, of course, Michael Johnston leaving the club uh, shortly followed, if I remember right, the unfortunate passing of his wife. Uh, I don't know if that was a big, dis- that was obviously a big part of the decision, but who knows if it worked out. Um, so obviously, do you think that's been a positive for the club, uh, Callum? We'll go, go to you with that one. I, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've never shut away for the fact that I was. Quite anti Michael Johnson. Um, like, who wasn't? <laughs> I know. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, and I've got to say, I've went back this year to get my season ticket. And that I was still going to games, but going away from home. But I wasn't getting season tickets for the last couple of years. So, let's say me and I, I know plenty of other people that have done the same. And I, I know the crowds haven't exactly gone up as much as people would have hoped for. Um, but it takes. It takes time to, to, you know, win back fans that have been neglected for years and years. Um, and hopefully, well, like Bowie now, I've got to admit, at the time when Bowie was left to, you know, basically appoint the next manager, I wasn't confident he would be able to sell in the club. But Steve Clark's come out openly and said how much he trusts Bowie and Kilty for what they've done. So I think we've got the right guys at the helm now. Um, and obviously there's, there's a new director come on, uh, Bill White, I think his name is. So... Let's say the the club's progressing now, and hopefully, um, that I, I like that's down to Michael Johnson leaving. Absolutely. So, um, Adam, are you of similar similar views? Yeah, obviously, it was you know sad the way that it happened, but there can't really be any denying that it has been you know it has rejuvenated the club quite a lot. You know that the, the Attendances are coming back slowly, you know, even just simple things like, you know, our social media under Michael Johnson, it was, you know, probably one of the worst, you know, in Scottish football. But, uh, you know, Billy Bowie's, you know, he's, he's a bit younger. He knows more about these things and he's appointed different people to different positions that have definitely, you know, improved the club as a whole and just, you know, improved the feeling uh, around the club, especially with the fans. They feel more connected to the club now than I think they've done in, you know, the past 10, 15 years. Lovely, lovely. Sorry, my mic's have a, have a fit there. Um, just had a message in from Kilmarnock fan John Morris, who also agrees that Michael Johnson, he's happy to see him go. Um, just had to get that one in there. Um, so, Russell, what obviously... Lachlan, what was your, before we come to me, what was your opinion on Michael Johnson? My dog <laughs> <laughs> like your dog, Russell. <laughs> Stop it. This dog is going crazy. That's his opinion on Michael Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, that, there's not much I can add on, obviously, the Michael Johnson. Like, the same as Callum, you know, I, I didn't like going to games, you know, when he when he was there. It just The club felt like poison for a while. That's, that's what it felt like, you know, and obviously you don't like to see a guy's you don't like seeing a guy's wife dying but the fact that was sort of a catalyst you know to him leaving quicker I, I think that's a positive in the long run for the club you know um, I mean there was talk of him staying there for, for years to come which, which wouldn't have been good for the club you know and I don't think 
Michael Johnson would be savvy enough to get somebody like Steve Clark in. Um, so I think Billy Bowie needs huge credit for that. Um, so just as Callum said as well, you know that the crowds are slowly coming up. It's going to take a while to get back to, to you know, seven and eight thousand crowds. It, it may never happen, but if we keep playing like we do and Billy Bowie's doing what he's doing, then why not? That's how I see it. Russell, you much to add there? No, it's just I. People obviously know my opinion on Michael Johnson. I don't personally think he was the devil incarnate that most people did. Um, I felt that he has done some good things at the club, which is obviously overlooked because of the the few really poor things he did, especially when the whole Rangers saga. Um, but he did achieve quite a bit at the club. You know, he made us debt free. If you look at it that way, he um, won a trophy. Under his tenure, he brought in Mixu Pat Lining, uh, Kenny Shields. You know, speak to managers in the press who they've said basically that um, you know Michael Johnson always gave the managers everything they asked for in terms of you know budgets and in terms of you know other extras they wanted. You also look at Lee Clark when he was here. Remember that he got the entire club fitted out in new suits. Um, they had to try the cryo chamber. Um, you know, he's done all those things that Michael Johnson you know accepted and allowed the manager to do that. So again, as I said, I don't think he was necessarily a devil incarnate, but he's um he's he's appearance and continued basically his continued presence at the club wasn't helping anything because the Kelly fans were so divided and the majority of Kelly fans, you know, despised him. So his continued appearance at the club wasn't healthy and it had got to the stage where for his own good in terms of his own health and the club's good in terms of moving on in the future, he had to leave. And um, I'm just glad it finally happened and we can start rebuilding, you know, hopefully going forward and moving on um, as a, a community club and as a club that we can all group together behind, you know, a guy like Billy Bowie and a manager like Steve Clark, somebody that I don't think anybody has bad words to say about either at the moment. So it, hopefully we can continue to build on and, you know, make things a lot better for the future. Lovely, lovely. All right, so I'll just rattle through the rest of the season results. We lost to Dundee, which saw us lose seventh position. And then we beat Inverness, which guaranteed our survival and pretty much ultimately put them down. Um, and then we lost to Motherwell. And the final game of the season was a loss to Ross County, which, if I remember right, was a sort of battle for seventh game. We had to win to come seventh. Unfortunately, uh, we lost 2 1. Liam Boyce scoring, did he score two? Scored both? Is that right? Um, so, all in all, it was a pretty mediocre season, but at the end of the day, we, we stayed we stayed up, I guess. That's a positive. Is that, is that the way we, we look at that, Callum? Yeah, no, absolutely, Lachlan. Like, um, we ended up staying up comfortably, which was the first time we'd been able to do that in a good few years, to yep. be fair. Um as as Russell pointed out earlier on on the podcast, that uh, I mean, guaranteed if you got the top six, you were guaranteed safety. <laughs> we're still in the relegation mix to some extent, but certainly not to the same, uh, let's say, extent we were prior to that. Under like, the likes of obviously the playoffs and Gary Lott nearly taking us into the playoffs and Alan Johnson staying up, uh, Easter Road, etc. So, like it, it was probably what we needed. Like I say, that the last game of the season was. Uh, free of pressure for us and like I say it looked like the club was heading in the right direction um, and it now is eventually but it's taken a wee bit longer than we thought it was Absolutely Ad- hey, Adam you uh, Yeah I mean the season overall I mean it was okay getting 8th but 
you know, the last game of the season, you know, a battle for seventh, you would te- you would have really wanted to end the season on a high there, get seventh. Uh, and it just kind of, it was a bit of an anticlimax, to be honest, you know, getting beat on the last day of the season, you know, finishing just behind Ross County. It would have been nice to get that, you know, best of the rest tag. And the disappointing thing was that we didn't really look as up for it in that final game as I thought, you know, we could have. There's quite a lot of money on the line uh, for for a club like us anyway, depending on what position you finish in the league. So that was a bit disappointing. But overall, you know, eight, you can't really complain about that when, you know, we have been flirting with relegation in the past couple of seasons. Absolutely. Uh, Russell, the eighth position, was that a good season? Yeah, I don't think you can underestimate how important it is staying in the league. Um you just got to look at the news that came out of it this week about Falkirk scrapping their youth academy in order to focus on you know the efforts of the first team to try and get back in the Premiership. That it's a it's so important for a club of Kilmarnock size to be a Premiership team, and uh, the fact that we guaranteed that for another season is really good because then that gives us, as Callum said, the opportunity to start building things properly. Um, we've got a really good youth academy. We've been accepted for Project Brave Elite status anyway. Um, so we can finally, you know, start building that up and building the community aspect of the club up, something that was lacking under under Johnson. So as I say, you've just got to look at things like teams like Falkirk, even teams like Dunfermline as well, who traditionally are quite a big club in Scotland. They're really struggling to get out of the championship. I doubt very much that they will this year. Uh, Dundee United obviously in the championship too. So it's really, really important for Kilmarnock in terms of if we want to continue on the way we're going of producing young players um, that we are a premiership team because that's we need that money to, in order to keep the youth academy going uh, especially with the project brave aspect now so yeah it's, it's huge for us to stay in the league and especially if we we're going to build on you know the thing the success that hopefully steve clark will be able to bring lovely lovely right so that's the season done uh, i want to bring it up to a bit to the date now we're gonna go to the rumor mill um, just for me on Lachlan, I know we're on YouTube, obviously. Do you want to have a look at the live chat? Because there's a wee bit of conversation going on here. Yeah. Nice to maybe give some people uh, a wee shout-out, seeing as they're all uh, listening in. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I appreciate everyone obviously listening in. And I see I see there is a lot of comments about about sort of positions to strengthen. So I was uh, coming to that. Um, just appreciate everyone, obviously, commenting in. Um We'll go back to the with a few comments about Lee Clark being an ambitious guy. That was LP Scotts, but he'll but then he signed Jamie Cobain. <laughs> <That's doesn't work. laughs> Fair enough comments. So, uh, uh, Lee Clark is the Lyle Lang- Lanley of Scottish football from Andy Kerr. Had to look <laughs> that one up. No idea who that was. I take it uh, you know who that is. But, uh, that's got a good one as well. With we'll a Jamie Tarnock laughing at Jim Jeffries as the director of football, <laughs> as predicted. Fuck you, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, right, so we're going to get to the rumour now, now, boys. Um, so, obviously, <laughs> we've heard the likes of Stephen Naismith. There's been touts of that. Um, we heard today, was it today, I believe, that Basson will not be signing for Kilmarnock. Uh, there's also been mention of Sandro and Aaron Chibola. From Aston Villa, um, so these players and obviously other players 
what do we do in January? We'll start with you, Russell, on this one. Yeah, Steve Clark obviously spoke at the AGM last night that um, he doesn't really expect a, a massive overhaul in terms of the squad in January. He doesn't think that's good for, for team morale, basically. I wouldn't expect too, too many changes. It's interesting for me, though, that we are being linked with somebody like Shibola, uh, who's a, you know, a midfielder. Who's, uh, you would say that's probably one of our strongest areas in terms of that trifecta of uh, Power, Malumbu and Dicker. So I don't know whether whether maybe Lee Clark... Lee Clark, sorry, Steve Clark. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether he maybe sees Dicker's future at centre-half, um, especially if Gordon Gear potentially leaves. Um, whether he sees him going back in alongside maybe somebody like Finlay or Broadfoot at the back and that's why he's looking to bring another midfielder in but I'd be interested to see if Lee Irwin I know I've seen a few people in the comments they're saying Lee Irwin's been a donkey ever since you know every game he's played it's hard to disagree um, and especially I'd be interested to see if we maybe bring a, a striker in uh, to challenge Boyd and Brophy or whether we you know focus on other areas of the team such as another centre half or another midfielder and then um, Allow Samizadze, who's came onto a really big game on with the under twenties recently. He scored another few goals uh, last night against Falkirk, uh, or Ennis Cameron, another one of the youngsters who scored more goals as well. Um, I think if we get somebody in in midfield, like as say um, the boy Shibola, and we've also been obviously linked with Stephen Naismith. He's kind of no matter how good your squad was, you would bring in a Stephen Naismith if you get the opportunity. So if we do do that, it's going to be interesting to see what how we like kind of mix and match the team because I don't think Naismith really fits into our game just now. He's that kind of more attacking midfielder. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if if things change around or we have to change our system. Um, but I'd expect I'd I'd be more inclined to say we're going to see Shibola join rather than Naismith or Sandro as much as I would <coughs> both to happen because it would be fantastic. But I think Shibola's more more our level. Lovely. Uh, go to you next, Callum. There was a couple of comments in the chat, by the way. You're a popular <laughs> oh. with, the, with the YouTube. Uh, John Morris is a big fan. Um, right, anyway, what's your thoughts on Kelly's signings in January? How do we how do we strengthen? Um, I, I tend to agree with Russell with a lot of what he said. I mean, whether there's got to be mass changes, I don't know. I would like to see another centre-half come in, in particular somebody who, who's got a bit of pace about them. Because uh, I think, obviously, both obviously there's rumours Greer will be away, but how true that is, I don't know. But obviously, Greer and Broadfoot, both good centre-halves, both alike. But they're both kind of, you know, cart horses, to say the least. Uh, they're pretty slow. So I would like to see a quicker centre-half and a younger centre-half. In regards to, obviously, Akechi Anya has been mentioned as well. Um but I say how true that is, I don't know. I don't know. But I think that, that that could be an interesting bit of business. It wouldn't be somebody I would think would be kind of Steve Clark's type of player. But who knows? Um, in regards to Shibola, I, I don't know. I actually disagree with us on this one. I think he's probably more our level. But I think that that story is more just, you know, the press down there trying to, you know, put two and two together. Because obviously, yeah, Clark was his manager at Reading. And then Clark yeah. insisted in signing him for Villa, and now, like I say, there's talk of him going out and going again. I, I don't know whether he will be here. I think that that's maybe just people. Like, I wouldn't be too surprised, but I think that I, I don't know how much is really in it. The Naismith one is a is a strange one because I heard the rumor. I was like, no chance, absolutely no chance. And then 
the news come out on Monday that he's certainly considering his future in January. And despite all the the papers and that, try to link him with Rangers as much as possible. When you read the comments, he mentions Kilmarnock every bit as much as he mentions Rangers. And I think, by what he's saying, he's more likely to end up at Kilmarnock than Rangers uh, in regards to a club going the right direction, wants to help out with youth, somebody who's got to play every week. To me, that screams out Kelly. Whether whether we'll get him or not, I don't know. I think if both Kilmarnock and Rangers want him, he will go to Ibrox, but I think we're more likely to get him. Surely Naismith's the kind of guy, he's not got to sign for them when he's no, when they've not even got a manager. But anyway, if, I, I would happily never sign MD again if we signed Stephen Naismith in January. I think it's interesting what Calm said about the, um, the, the press coverage on Naismith, that he... Um, a lot of the times he was asked, been asked by the media about Rangers and it was saying, uh, oh, what do you think about joining Rangers? Could you possibility to join Rangers? And every time he seemingly brought it back to Kilmarnock. So that was really interesting, the fact he did that, um, rather than just mention Rangers all the time, which, you know, he'd have been easily doing. But um, I think, yeah, and more of the Shibola, I, I was more meaning it was, I think it was a more realistic target for us. I don't think <coughs> Sandro at some Turkish team He's in Turkey just now, so that would be have to probably be a loan deal. But um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. One thing, even if we don't get any of these guys like Anya or Sandro or Naismith, and certainly obviously um, a song who's not coming, um, it's really good from a commander perspective that that's the kind of quality of players we're being lined up with now. And long gone are the days where the rumours are about Scott Robinson coming in, you know, <laughs> Dale Carrick and players like that. We're getting linked to the guys who have played at a good level for most of their career so that can only be positive and that has to go down to the the influence of having somebody like Steve Clark at the club because there's no chance there's no chance we'd have signed a Malumbu or even get linked with an Anya or someone like that um, if Steve Clark wasn't at the club and we still had a Gary Locke or a, a Lee McCullough no, I, sorry I, for I... mentioning Gary Locke the club. What you offer, Russell? Was your first strike? Um, no, obviously, it's, as Russell was saying, Adam, it's great to be linked with these names, you know, rather than some of the players we were linked with before. You know, it's it's, it's a, real, a real good feel good amongst the fans. I think. I know it's very strange that we're being linked with people that are so you know successful. We're not really used to that, but uh, I always just want to take this opportunity to wholly apologise for those who were offended by my optimistic transfer targets in uh, Tuesday's video. There was some outcry about it. Uh, Kenny McLean and such like. Uh, people were saying that was far too optimistic, but uh, you never know. I mean, you're talking about a catchy Anya, why not? Uh, Kenny McLean. Who knows? I don't think he's not going to come to come on. You don't. I mean, you could say the same about a catchy Anya, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you don't dream, then. And he's at the end. I would never yeah. have thought I'd have seen Yusuf Malumbu in a killer shot. Exactly. So, who knows? Who knows? Um, I just want to take a moment here. Obviously, we we heard, found out the news about Bobby Williamson. Um, obviously, Commander Legend suffering from cancer. Um, so we obviously just want to wish Bobby well and a speedy recovery. Hopefully, get him back and dug out soon. Oh. Um, aye, I mean, anything you want to add about Bobby Williamson? Got you, Russell? No, just really horrible. I think it was in his nasal cavity uh, cancer there, and with the treatment he's had, it's really bad for getting ulcers. 
I mean, obviously we all know what it's like, even just getting one mouth ulcer is bad enough, but he said at one point his entire mouth is filled with ulcers, which just sounds horrific. You know, you can't even imagine what that kind of must be like to go through. Um, so, yeah, just echo what you're saying, wish him a speedy recovery, and hopefully he says he, he seems quite confident, he seems quite um, positive uh, that you'll get back into management. Looks like what he was saying in the, the interview in The Sun, that it might be in India. So hopefully, fingers crossed, he gets back into management soon enough that he gets rid of the, the cancer it's a horrible, horrible illness. And um, yeah, he gets back to, most importantly, rather than just the management, he gets back to, to good health for, for him and his family. Absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll move on from that. You know, it's, it's, it's obviously some very sad news. Um, we all do wish him a speedy recovery. Um, I noticed a comment there from LP Scott. He would love to see Leon Panikvar make his long-awaited return to rugby park. <laughs> I like Benson as well while we're at it. Can we get him back too? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and LP Scott has another comment there. Bobby Williamson's team gave command, gave a generation of Commonwealth fans something to be proud of. It's on 1966. Yeah, a piece of advice for him: if he wants to get better in the short term, do not listen to this podcast. It will make you even more than you already are. Absolutely. I'll mention. Uh, really? Leon. Sorry, just when I mentioned Leon Panic while there. Um, a guy who's overly overlooked because he actually scored in our uh, League Cup triumph. He scored in the in the build up to that. He was uh, one of the games in the South game. Uh, the yeah, he scored in that game. Uh, so uh, he certainly played. If he didn't score, he certainly played or set up a goal. So uh, yeah, he's. Because I, I, I don't know if he scored. I, I can't remember him scoring, but I remember it was him that got the the elbow for the Queen of the South boy. Um, that then resulted in the red card. I don't know if he scored though, because it was it Heffernan scored a hat trick. Gary Harkin right. scored, and uh, Ben Hutchinson well. scored. That's a Jesus. Ben Hutchinson scored. Ben Hutchinson. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he scored, but he definitely played a part by getting, by getting that man sent off. So well done, Leon Panetta. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Oh no, it was um, Gary Harkin's uh, Heffernan hat trick and. My Ben Hutchison. Aye, absolutely, absolutely. Aye, Panic Bar received the elbow. He did. Check that out there. Right, um, so obviously the big news this week is the AGM. Uh, and in my opinion, the most positive note of the AGM was Steve Clark saying that there's no chance he's going to join Rangers effectively. Um, as LP's got to say, it's a nice way of saying jog on Rangers. That's some positive news, Adam. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, it doesn't rule out, you know, going to, you know, another English club or something like that, because obviously we all know that he wants to, you know, re- re- resurrect his career down there. But it's good to know that, you know, he can go to any other club he want, but just not Rangers. That's all that we want. <laughs> no, he can't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> Callum? Sure. Uh, no, that, yeah, no, I agree. I just think that um, I've... I've been pretty confident that I trust Clark. Uh, unlike the previous Clark, I think that he he'll stick to his word. It's extra e at the end that makes <laughs> yeah. it more trustworthy. Yeah, of course, of course. But uh, I think that you know I'll I take his word on this. I think that he will stay at Kilmarnock for his like to at least see out his contract. Um, end of the day, he's not going to move after you know he's been out of Scotland for 30 plus years he's probably been I don't doubt he's been offered positions up here in the past so he's eventually back so I, I don't see him leaving to anybody uh, and if anybody 
in the future, I think it could be a potential replacement for Brendan Rodgers. But, but that's it. Um, I certainly, yeah, I'm pretty confident he would never be Rangers manager. You say that you trust him not to leave, but did you not? Did you not also think the same about uh, Lee Clark? when he was spouting all that nonsense at the end of the season. I well, that, that's what I'm saying. I, th- I, th- I trust him more than Lee Clark. Uh, I, ju- I just think that he kind of sussed at Clark a wee bit that he was a bit of a con man and you know his, his talk was pretty cheap. No, but I think that Steve Clark certainly is a man of his word. Um, he just seems like a proper professional guy and you know he, did, he plays down everything. So and I, I, I'm very confident that Steve Clark will be at Kilmarnock for the remainder of his contract, unless it's an extraordinary move. It's too, it's too soon for him to go, Russell. Surely it would sort of tarnish his reputation a bit, you know, if he left this early. Yeah, definitely. He's he's still got work to do here. Um, as much as we'd like him to stay permanently, I think that well, my personal opinion on what might happen is that he'll get offered a job possibly next season, maybe around this time next year. Um, and I could see him going down south uh, to another club in our championship club. And I'd be really interested to see the parallels, whether it could possibly be like under mix with Pat Lennon, because I actually think that Alex Dyer might be the, the man to step up when uh, Steve Clark goes. So I'll be interested to see whether Steve Clark is actually coaching Dyer just now as uh, you know, and letting them learn from him. They're, they're good friends as it is, uh, with a view to him possibly taking over at some point in the future, because he seems like a really smart guy, knows his football, he's managed before, albeit at a lower level um, but that all that kind of, especially his attitude when he runs on the park with celebration at Ibrox and things like that, it just reminds me of Kenny Shields, which just seems kind of a similar guy and a similar, you know, history in terms of football, you know, playing at a kind of lower level, managing, doing youth coaching, all these different things like Kenny Shields did, so I think there are a lot of, a lot of links to that and I'd be really fascinated to see if he's the man that uh, takes over uh, when when Steve Clark inevitably inevitably leaves, it's good that he brought Alex Dyer up. Um, he's a bit of an unsung hero, in my opinion. Um, I, I think he's brought a lot to the club in his time. Um, I don't think it's all just all been Stevie Clark. You know, I think there's there's more to it than that. Would, would you agree with that, Callum? No, absolutely. Um, apparently, he's he's a fitness freak, which can only be good for us, considering. I know, that obviously, there's my thing. There was an argument on Sports Sound. I can't remember who was saying it. Uh, it's Alex Ray, I think it was. So, apologies for bringing Alex Ray into this podcast, by the way. That's bad enough. I, I expected not to be invited back on again. But he was saying something about, about how players don't... Nobody gets fitter under other like, new managers and that. I think that's an absolute load of rubbish. I think that certain managers have got different techniques and can easily make the team a lot fitter. And I think you can even see that with us. Um, with the high pressing they're doing and they're still you, you can see that with the amount of late goals we've scored as well uh, I think that's no coincidence for Steve Clark's come in and especially Alex Dyer as I say he's he's pretty focused in his uh, fitness and players looking after themselves so he deserves huge credit for that and as I say I, I think the guy's brilliant he's always over at the fans um, at the away games after every game he's always right over so I, I'm a big Alex Dyer fan and let's say hopefully hopefully both will be at for for many years Hopefully he doesn't rent a crowd chamber, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fan of Alex Dyer, Adam? Yeah, I mean, uh, past couple of seasons, are, you know, the assistant managers haven't been the most passionate of people. Uh, but, you know, it's always good to have someone behind the manager that, you know, can uh, G up the players and the fans. And, yeah, he's been nothing but a good influence on uh, the team and the club so far. 
Especially when somebody like your manager, somebody like Steve Clark, you want to have a somebody of that experience and I don't, I wouldn't say as much an aura, but he's definitely got presence about him, Steve Clark. And I think that um when you've got a manager like that, it's good to have a guy like Alex Dyer who's maybe a bit a, light, a bit more light hearted and he's that bridge between the manager and the players, um, which can be quite difficult, especially for managers to say a guy like a Brendan Rogers or a Steve Clark who's got that kind of persona about him that might be difficult for players to talk to him. So it's good to have that kind of link with somebody like Dyer, who seems like a thoroughly likeable chap and a guy who the players really get on with. So it's good to have that at the club. Absolutely. Um, by the way, I'd just like to confirm, seeing the chat, I'm not going bald, I don't have a wig. Yeah, it's all, all natural. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a football podcast, what's going on? <laughs> <clears throat> Who knows? Um, so obviously the AGM, we've heard that the pitch will be here for another 18 months. Um, what's your take on that? Um, go to you, Russell. What's your take on that? Um, it's, a, it's a bad move, really, for the club, but I can understand that it, financially it doesn't make sense to, to rip it up just now because it's going to cost an absolute fortune. Uh, but in terms of the new training facilities that there are, were in talks with the council, obviously to um, to put in place, uh, I'm going to be really interested to see if we do any links with Bonnet and Thistle with regards to that. Who've obviously got a new 3G pitch down at uh, Town Home, and they've got ex Kelly, Alan Robertson, and Paul Wright and Charles down there. So I wonder if that might be a kind of way of us building a training facility down there using that pitch and being able to then finally rip up the plastic at Rugby Park and put grass down. So it's going to be really interesting to see where we go because now they're in the South of Scotland League, so they're in the pyramid uh, in terms of getting into the... They could get into the league and with two promotions into the league setup. So it's going to be really interesting to see the future we go like that and whether that's actually something we do with regards to our uh, training ground and then obviously ripping up that, that plastic back. Lovely. Um, Callum, we'll go to you and your thoughts on the plastic. Um, I was kind of surprised about the comments, but... I don't know because I reckon Clark must have had something to say about it when he came in. I mean, he's, he strikes me as a kind of well, he's certainly a traditional old school manager. Um, and I certainly think that he's pro the game being played in grass. To be honest, it doesn't, it's not that big a deal for me. I mean, I was kind of pro the tough pitches at first. I just think that we didn't maintain ours properly. You can see how narrow it is, how dry it is. I think if they're watered in that, that they're a lot better to play on. But anyway, I think that, um, that I don't know, the, the pitch, it's a problem, but it's nowhere near it, a bigger problem as people make it out to be. So, I don't know, like, end of the day, it's here just now, we've just got to accept it and we should be using it to our advantage, it shouldn't be a disadvantage. Hey, Adam, is, uh, is plastic the way forward or you hope we just do scrap it in 18 months? Yeah, I don't have, just, I don't have a problem with it. Either. I mean, this this thing that people keep going about, how it's a plastic pitch that's, you know, been responsible for our home form in the past couple of years is absolute nonsense. You could see, you know, from the past two home games that there's no real problem with playing on it. Uh, it's just the fact that there's been no real confidence in the team at home and no real atmosphere either, uh, which has obviously changed in the past couple of months. Uh, I don't. I would. I would keep it personally. Because obviously, you know, the costs involved uh, with hiring out other pitches, things like that, you know, all the teams can play on the one pitch, which is great for, you know, the atmosphere at the club as a whole. Uh, I know that most people do want to get rid of it and it would make, you know, the majority of fans happier, even make some of them come back uh, to more games, then it may be worth it in the long run. Uh, 
Lovely. Um, just want to request that everyone stops talking about the hairline, please. It's a very touchy issue. Um, <laughs> uh, right, if we go into another big point of the AGM, probably the final point we're going to go into, you know, it's a, been a long, long-winded thing. Um, Mark O'Hara um, has been revealed we've got a 50% sell-on clause and if he does go for free, we're owed a large percentage of a development fee. So that's that's pretty that's pretty good, isn't it, Callum? Oh, absolutely. Um, O'Hara was certainly one of the players that everybody, well, I'd, I'd say the majority of Commandant supporters were a bit disappointed when Lee Clark had his, his overhaul the day after the, we stayed in the Premiership. Um, O'Hara is a player that I've always liked. Um, to be honest, I've never seen him turn into the player that he is, though, because he's an attacking midfielder virtually now. I always thought his best position would have been centre midfield. Um, well, just in front of the back four, uh, or kind of box-to-box midfielder, uh, his kind of athletic ability. But O'Hara, if he goes, I, I, I don't know how much he'll go for. Obviously, he's out of contract at the end of the season. Obviously, we'll get a chunk of the development fee, as you have pointed out. Uh, apparently, Motherwell are linked to him. I read that in the paper. Whether that will come to fruition, I, I highly doubt. But obviously, any money that comes in is a, is a small bonus, considering I think we're, we're wrong to let him go in the first place. Um, as LP Scott's reckons Alex Posthouse is better than Mark O'Hara. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, what's your um, what's your thoughts on O'Hara? Then it'd be nice to have a back, wouldn't it? Yeah, I agree. With, I agree with Calm. I think that it's um, it was a terrible decision letting him go in the first place. Um, although now when you look back on it, it's been the best thing for his development because he's yeah. he's found his natural position. Um, and he's done well at Dundee, so it's been good for him to move. I think he was maybe stagnating a little bit. We spoke about him before in the podcast that he was his own worst enemy in terms of the fact that he was so versatile that he didn't have a set position. Like He could play at right back, he could play at left back, centre back, midfield. So he never really got a run, in, a run against in one natural position, uh, which it turns out obviously is attacking midfield. And like Callum, I never saw that coming. But um, yeah, so it's, it'd be good to have him back and sign him as that kind of attacking midfielder. But... Um, yeah, the shock is going to go to Motherwell, especially because we're going to get a percentage of the sell-on, uh, which when you look at was it Dundee United, um, they had to pay Rangers was 200-odd thousand for uh, mm-hmm. uh, the boy Telfer, and he'd only played one Premiership game at that point, so you've just got to look at how many games Mark O'Hara played at Kelly, and then he's played at Dundee. You can imagine that the development is going to be a decent whack, um, so I don't see Motherwell going, especially if they're going to have to pay that to Kilmarnock and Dundee um, I'd be more same going down south and I think he, he would suit the game down there with that kind of athletic nature Absolutely <laughs> Can I apologise for my mum coming in the background there by the way apologies <laughs> Get her on for a chat Get her on for a chat <laughs> a few, a few, uh, Sorry A few player shout outs for Jude Winchester Jorge Galan and Jesus San Juan He's probably the worst players I've ever played in a Kelly strip ever. I liked Winchester. I've got to be honest. I thought Jude Winchester was was a good player. Um and I think he was harshly treated under Alan Johnson. I liked him. Uh, I thought I thought he was very confident. Um when he played he looked like he played with Kelly for ten years opposed to ten games, which was probably the amount that he did end up playing. But I, I always liked Jude Winchester. I thought he was harshly treated. Um and he was somebody I would have liked to seen develop at Commander, but I'm maybe in the minority with that, but I always thought he was okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Can't go through a podcast without mentioning uh, Dapple Coyote. <laughs> Obviously, he's not he's not a fan of us on Twitter. 
so when, once we put this up uh, on Twitter, if everybody wants to put in, type in Dap Out Coyote into the comments, we'll see if we can get we can get him back on board uh, with us. Get, get another uh, fan back, who knows. A good point from LP Scott's, uh, backed up by Jamie Tannock, Craig Slater, how much of a miss he is, arguably as much as Mark O'Hara. I'd agree with that, would you know, Russell? Yeah, he's doing really well. I think he's been linked to some big League One clubs now, um, looking at him. Um, I think Burton Albion were looking at him in the summer as well, so they're obviously a championship team. Um, so he's clearly doing really, really well there. Um, down south, he's the type of player who's so neat and tidy in possession that he's going to you know, attract the attract bigger clubs. I think looking at him on Twitter and having seen him, I'm not, I can't say I've seen much of uh, Colchester. That's where he isn't. I'm, I can't say I've seen much of them play, but just looking at him on Twitter and things like that, he looks like he's bulked up, uh, got a bit stronger as well. So I think he'll go into bigger and better things. And yeah, he is. Definitely a miss, but not as much a miss as uh, Dapple Coyote or Chester. I, I don't know if I agree with Calvin Jude. I thought he was decent, but um, Alan Johnson seemed to have a habit of uh, treating players poorly. He did that with Borja Perez when he signed a new contract. Then a couple of months later, he was out the door. Um, and Borja Perez is my favourite commander for the last 10 years. So I'll uh, never forgive Alan Johnson for doing that. Was that to do with the fact he sent you a strip and stuff, Russell? By any chance, was, was there a bit of bias there? Or has it to do with friends. Best friends, a bit of both. Uh, he was a good guy, got to speak to him quite a lot, meet male women. He sent me, obviously, sent me a Tenerife strip, so uh, he's a good guy. And uh, he's just retired last season and he's going into sports sports law, so mm-hmm. good luck. Hey, Maria. Borja Perez was going to Inverness on a cold Wednesday night and he scored a stoppage time equaliser. First Kelly's first shot at the target. First shot on target of the game. Lovely. I mean, legend. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, an interesting question <laughs> from Tannock in the comments. Um, how many times did Winchester, Winchester score off the bench? I've just looked at it. He scored three goals for Kilmarnock and I'd, I'd like to assume all three were off the bench. Uh, he scored, came off the bench uh, Dunfermline away, I think it was. Yep. Possibly last game of the season. Yep, yeah, I remember that correctly. Yeah. Scored at Easter Road as well in the 2 each game. Um, Motherwell, that seems to... Well, I think he scored... I, I think one of them wasn't off the bench, I don't know. I remember we beat them D-United the start of the 2012-13 season. We beat them 3-1 at Rugby Park. And they scored in that game. I think Rory McKenzie scored as well. Uh, when they were just... Young pups at the time, but uh, mm-hmm. no, like I said I, I liked Winchester. I, I was I was interested to see how he'd develop, but but maybe I was I was the only one with the sounds of the things. Is he back in Northern Ireland? Yeah, he's, he's there now. He's, he's at Cliftonville, I'm sure. Because um, when I was in Belfast, I actually met his dad. His dad does a lot of the Belfast tour stuff because he was like, oh, where are you guys from? So like, oh, Scotland. And he was like, oh, football fans. I was like, come on. He's like, my boy played with Kamala. I was like, no chance. But uh, <laughs> so, so if Jude Winchester's dad's listening, by any chance, uh, nice, to, nice to meet you. Or talk to his mum as well, if she's listening. He's <laughs> <laughs> old. Miss his old. <laughs> Favourite of the podcast. That's for the, the older listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Um, aye, I mean, is there anything else you want to add about about the, the last season, guys, or the AGM? You know, um, obviously I know I'm hosting, but if there's anything I've missed, but no, no? no. right, covered it quite Right, we'll finish off with score predictions for Kilmarnock v Rangers on Saturday, and we're going to start with Adam. 
Uh, I think it's going to be a very close game. Uh, I'll go for a, a sneaky 1-0 win for Kilmarnock. Who, who scores a goal? You want to get that? Uh, Kirk Broadfoot. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. Uh, Callum, score predictions. I'm going to be quite optimistic and say 3-1 Kilmarnock. Uh, I'm pretty confident. I don't, that's probably not a good thing, though, to be honest. I only set myself up for disappointment now, but I'm pretty confident. 3-1, come on. Lovely. Who's scoring the three goals? You don't care about the Rangers goal. <laughs> uh, Boyd. Boyd Jones. Aye, a Boyd double and Jones, if he comes back into the side. Lovely. Lovely. Russell? Uh, I'm going to bring the tone down. Uh, I think Rangers are better away from home. And I don't like this Kilmarnock being talked up before a game against one of the old firm. Uh, I think it's going to come back to bite us uh, a 3-1 Rangers win. Oh, shame on you. Shame on I you. Hate, I hate that thought, but I, unfortunately, I, just, I just don't see us winning. I can see Rangers bouncing back. Right, at least go with something. Who scores the killing goal? At least give us some joy, Russell. Come on. I, I can, somebody like Broadfoot or Boyd is definitely going to be, and they'll We'll take the lead probably, so it's going to be a bit of banter at some point, but then Rangers will inevitably come back into it. Well, I'm going to be totally different. I'm going to go with a one-each draw, and I think that Chris Burke is going to score again against Rangers. So I guess we're all predicting that former Rangers players are scoring, which would be, which would be lovely. Yeah. Uh, I've had some, I've had some praise on the chat. Uh, brilliant, brilliant boys, great podcast and chat. I don't know what you're watching, Jamie, but it's not this, that's for sure. <laughs> it's more just the, uh, I, whatever. Right, we'll go, we'll, I mean, we've got a couple of score predictions in the chat. I want to, I want to give everybody a, because I appreciate everybody watching. Uh, let's try to get them all here. I'm sorry. John Morris, keen Kelly fan. 2-1 Kelly, Brophy winner. That would be nice. Uh, LP Scott, he says, the games against the old firm go one of two ways. It's either a tight one or we'll get a draw. And we'll get a draw or lose by one, or they'll take four or five off us. Hopefully, hopefully the former. Um, as a as compared to the latter, um, Jamie Tannock, obviously brilliant boys. LP Scott's fancies a two each draw. Brophy getting two. Um, oh. John Morris wants Russell's resignation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a four 0 prediction. That's that's a that's a tasty one. And then we've got one each. People starting the Christmas drinking very, very early. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We've got a 2 0 Kelly, so a lot of optimism around rugby park. And it's, it's nice to see that, you know, season's gone by. We've just been just been dreading going to rugby park. It's nice now that we're enjoying it ourselves, you know. That's the way I, I see it. An early they do, Christmas present. They do hot dogs as well, so that's always something to look forward to. Lovely. Lovely. Um, Right, I think that's about it there, guys. And the next show, I hope you're all tuning in, um, should be next Thursday again, same time. Uh, by that time, we'll have a review of the Rangers game and the away game to Hamilton, which should be also a tough one. I don't know if you want a quick preview in about that, but that'll be, a, be an interesting game. That's that's another tester for Clark. Um, aye, I mean, get a quick quick preview for you and Callum if you want. We'll get a, uh, no, absolutely. I th- I'm, I'm gutted I'm actually missing the game. It'll be the first game I'll miss if uh, Clark's been in. So I'm, I'm bitterly disappointed to because I think we'll take a good support uh, to New Douglas Park or whatever it's called now, the Super Sealer or whatever. Um, so, no, 
good person, pretty confident we'll win, but it'll be a game with a different kind of pressure. Now we're a bit, uh, uh, you know, come on up being the, the favourites away from home. So, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but I hope any three points will do there and hopefully a good travelling away support. Yeah, it'll be a real indication of how far we've come since uh, Steve Clark's come in. You know, maybe under Clark, we might not. Uh, you know, it may not have always been a, an easy game away to Hamilton, but hopefully under Steve Clark, then it can be a lot different, and we can go into it firm favourites and put on a good performance for the travelling fans. You know, I've I've just been compared to a young Chris Boyd. So, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Oh. Uh, Russell, the Hamilton game. Yeah, we've got a good record there. Um, I think it's uh, both away teams seem to have good records in that in that fixture. If I remember rightly, we've got a decent record up at Hamilton. So um, yeah, it's going to be obviously interesting to see with the more based on how we do against Rangers uh, to see whether we're Lachlan is uh, not looking very happy right now. But um, yeah, so I'm um, pretty positive going into Hamilton. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, uh, I think that's about us, guys. Um, so I say your goodbyes. Got you, Adam. Get, get your thanks in. Yeah, thanks very much uh, for everyone watching. We're obviously just trying this uh, for the second week, so hopefully it's been better than this week. You can tell us whether you like to see our faces or whether you'd not like to see them. But uh, yeah, give us that feedback on Twitter if you want. Callum. Uh, well, firstly, thanks for having me on. It was good to, to make my debut and win team in there, so hopefully I can back on in the future. And thanks to everybody that's listening. You, you won't be back, unfortunately. Oh, oh, of course, but <laughs> I, if you're listening to I mention Gary Locke every week, I'm still bitter about him. But uh, no, but thanks to everybody that listened as well, especially John Morris for his kind comment. <laughs> hey, Russell. Yeah, um... Just thanks for hosting today. Uh, I think you did well, and thanks to everybody for listening. And uh, like us, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, we're going to try and do more with the YouTube channel. Uh, myself and Adam, and maybe yourself as well, Lachlan. So hopefully, try and do more with that. So subscribe on YouTube. And I'd just like to say my thanks as well, guys. I appreciate you all tuning in. Whether the comments are about my hairline or lack of. <laughs> um, we appreciate the comments either ways and you know it's it's great to see everybody tuning in and hopefully as Russell says this will become a more regular thing um I <laughs> know <laughs> um, I mean hopefully it will become a more regular thing I think um, back to I think that's what Jamie obviously would have, would have wanted this podcast was a big thing for him and um so we want to make it a big success and I appreciate everybody tuning in um, and thank you everybody and we'll see you see you next week <laughs>